0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: Hello, and welcome to Millions of Screens. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined by TV awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers for a very special <laughs> Millions of Screens. On today's episode, uh, we'll be talking about why a new TV is better than old TV. Is that how we're framing this? Or just that old TV isn't all as cracked up to be?
2: I mean, speak for yourself, band Like, <laughs> we're gonna get into it. So uh, let's I go, don't want to spoil get, anyone.
1: Let's get into it. Uh, and, bef- and before that, we'll be talking some Netflix news. Netflix had a big newsy week, really dominating the TV landscape.
2: Unlike every other week, which has no Netflix news. <laughs> And millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show.
1: Giving ahead to the clicker, the clicker, with our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. Ben, where would you like to start? Would you like to start with ta-dum or the massive data dump that Ted Sarandos went on a couple of days ago, which has left some Bridgerton writers going great. Glad people like the show. Now give us residuals like a normal television show.
2: Fuck you, pay me. I believe is the quote from the Bridgerton writers.
0: I don't mention the name of the Netflix fan event that happened on Saturday. I don't think anyone should. No, I don't (laughs) think anyone should. It's very bad. It doesn't make sense. And honestly, when IndieWire was covering it and we had our trailer write-ups and our, our various other posts about kind of the general news that was being released throughout this like four hour presentation, four fans, quote unquote, four fans. I felt like we had to include like a little explainer if we did mention the name of it. Otherwise people would be like, what is this? It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it. Um, So I just eliminated it entirely. Uh, But hey, you know what? We got our first look at Ozark season four, part one. Jason Bateman's back. That's very exciting. We got a look at uh, like a house. In the new Stranger Things season, there's like there's going to be some sort of haunted house involved in the story. That's also
2: those kids um, are going to be thing. in college by the time that season comes out.
0: They already look much older. I think that might be why they didn't do a bigger reveal because it's somewhat distracting already. Is it like um, a fraternity now- or
1: sorority house? Are they in college in the new season
0: of Stranger Things?
1: Neighbors' wow, if,
0: if that's the pivot, I would be. Actually, much more excited about Stranger Things, but I don't think so. Um, but no, I, I I honestly felt like, considering how much was put out there on Saturday over this event, we've got you know opening titles for some things, we got release dates for some things. There was Witcher news that I can't even remember at this point. To me, it just felt like it kind of canceled itself out. There was there was so much happening, and it's such a tight time frame on a day of the week that typically isn't busy for media coverage, for entertainment coverage, because people are out and about and they're not tied to their computers or their phones, that it honestly felt like a lot of it was falling on deaf ears. So I don't know how much excitement was built out of this event. I honestly did see more coverage about the numbers that they released that we can't verify, which (laughs) makes them somewhat useless. So, yeah, before before we get to numbers, I feel like the two things that
1: maybe broke through all the noise they themselves inflicted upon the Twitter sphere were the Cowboy Bebop opening credits and the Sandman first look like those felt. And maybe that's only in my little corner of Twitter that tends towards more geek and nerd related stuff. But like oh, that, that those like, things felt like they popped the most.
2: Also, maybe the. Look at season two of Bridgerton, my, which segues uh, very
1: nicely into the numbers.
2: Twitter.
1: Bridgerton was the big star of that that number dump, which occurred <laughs> at a number dump, which occurred at the Code Conference at the Beverly Hilton, where Ted Sarandos released the numbers for their top ten series and top ten films, but not just how many accounts had accessed these things, but also how many total hours they'd been viewed for. Granted, as Ben mentioned earlier, these numbers mean nothing. (laughs) It is Netflix just like putting, they could just be putting numbers in a doc that look nice next to one another to be like, some people have watched Bird Box one and a half times. Why? I don't know. Doesn't make any (laughs) sense. I did try to do the math. Like the, the hours of Bird Box being watched versus the amount of accounts means that it has an average viewing of like one and a half times the movie itself. So I guess that's some people not watching the movie at all and some people watching it more than once. I don't know why you would think it'd be less than the the amount of the movie, uh, even if people were rewatching. But Bridgerton, as you mentioned, Libby, Bridgerton was the star of the show, having been watched by 82 million accounts and a total of 625 hours ranking first in both accounts and total time viewed, which did warrant a response from one of the writers, Layla Cohen, who said, wow, As a writer for Bridgerton, this is cool news. You know, it would also be cool if I was getting residuals commensurate with working on a huge hit. New media is just media pay up accordingly, or as Libby Uh, mentioned earlier.
2: Fuck you pay me. That's interesting to me because I I know that I believe under like WGA, there are new media rules. And my understanding is that they existed primarily to, to deal with podcasts so the even idea, but you know, the thing is in researching the numbers for the the last few Emmys, digging in and looking at series, trying to figure out what the first streaming series were to win and in specific categories, it was amazing to me to see how many old fashioned terms were used to describe these old things. I want to say like maybe, maybe they were using the term webisodes on Wikipedia, just these very outdated ideas. And like, yes, Netflix first started doing original programming less than a decade ago, but at the same time, if you go to the Emmys and win two of the top two series awards, I think your TV, I think you are media now. And I don't know what kind of changes need to be made to better incorporate streaming, content I don't know and I don't know how it gets complicated with like lack of reruns a lack of I don't know the math they're going to have to do to get there but I also know that television is kind of resistant that the industry is resistant to change insofar as you know we're still prioritizing multi-camera sitcoms things like that at the Emmy Awards they have their own categories in several in several situations or they are have a mandated number of nominees that need to be in, like it's, it's weird and it doesn't like giving up its roots. But yeah, what that Bridgerton writer was saying is is an abomination. And the thought that global corporations are getting rich off of the work of underpaid writers is the saddest and least surprising revelation of, of this Netflix numbers drop.
1: And, and it dovetails nicely with the IOTC, the impending potential IOTC right. vote on a strike. The idea that this industry is is propped up by these, you know, various locals that uh, do not get compensated well and have to work insane hours in order to make sure the content is there, the sort of insatiable content for all of the streamers, in addition to what you'd consider more traditional media?
2: Peak TV isn't happening because of network TV. There aren't new networks being introduced every, every year. Like that's not, that's not what ha- what's, what's happening. The industry is not moving fast enough to, to recognize the changing face of television and action needs to be taken as soon as possible. And to wait is to do a huge disservice Uh, to the people toiling to make all of your favorite shows and all of your least favorite shows. It's depressing, man. Um,
1: As as a non-union shop, I can't speak for IndieWire, but I can say, go check out IA Stories on Instagram. And if you read just like three of those, you will almost instantly find solidarity with the, the various locals that are looking to you know, find the proper amount of compensation for the work and just safer condition, working conditions and shorter hours. Uh, It is, it is very sad to just scroll through and read all these awful, awful stories from within the industry. Cause you don't, you don't think about, you don't think about grips and gaffers and, you know, second camera ops or PAs or writer's assistants. When you think of like, oh, I just, I just binged X show and it was amazing. I, I ate it up in six hours. it's like, well, that, yeah. took, that took all these people thousands of hours to put together.
2: Working 14 hour days for those like PAs and writing assistants getting 12 bucks an hour. Like everything's fine.
0: Everything's it's fine. Time. It's a great time to remind people that weekly releases are good. And weekly releases give you time to appreciate certain elements of visual programming that you may not otherwise notice. If you're just say plowing through it while half awake on a, Friday night at 2 a.m.
2: As an aside, Ben, I have to say, I have yet to start Only Murders in the Building. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> I was really, I, I haven't started yet. I was very inspired by your full throated support of the series. And then I noticed it's on a weekly release, which to oh, yeah. me, for Ben Travers means I have to dock it like a star because you love weekly releases so much. I think it, uh, I think it sways you a little bit.
1: Wait, did we switch to a star rating system in Andy wire?
0: <laughs> yeah, this is all very confusing. First of all, I do love weekly releases, so that should only uh, validate any program that I've already spoken highly of. Uh, and I guess to, to counteract, counteract that sentiment, I would just say that like most things <laughs> that I have to review, I do not get the benefit of spending uh, weeks sitting with each episode. I have to watch them all very quickly. Uh, pretty close together. And that was how I consumed only murders in the building. I've been waiting impatiently uh, since the episodes ended, I think, with eight uh, for those last two to arrive. And um, they may or may not be here. So I don't know why I'm you know, talking to you, Jokers.
2: Yes. Those are the only screeners that arrived today. The only oh, yeah, we did get American, problem only John
0: Stewart or whatever it's called. Uh, American, <laughs> American Rust, Rust, episode
1: four.
2: Yeah. I know you've been waiting, waiting on that one with bated breath, Ben.
1: Give me more Okay. DVD.
2: All right, I'll, I'll, I'll try it.
1: Ben, after your, uh, after your very impassioned pay on to weekly releases, let's talk about Midnight Mass, which I assume most people consumed whole hog over the course of the weekend at some point. I actually have been pacing it out, essentially maybe watching two episodes a night Almost like making it like a feature length, like I can only watch two hours at a time as opposed to being like, I'm gonna watch seven hours of this thing in one in one chunk. But let's talk about it as spoiler-free as we potentially can. And we'll we'll try to warn if there are spoilers coming for anyone who has not yet watched. But what are your thoughts on Mike Flanagan's
0: latest horror yeah. show? Well put for the for the listeners out there, he put horror in quotes. I mean it is I horror. I implied. Just, I was
1: implied. I was implied with my
0: by the pause. Voice as no, well. yeah. 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 You did you did a great job. Just just clarifying. Um, because it is it's a touchy subject. It's a it's the the level of like terror and, and gore and the rest of it when it comes to defining uh you know a horror film or TV show, uh, it gets people riled up uh in ways that I don't personally care about. But um, <laughs> I, I, was very relieved that, uh, that Midnight Mass was good. I'll say that first and foremost. Um, I've enjoyed Mike Flanagan's past work, uh, doctor sleep is kind of its own thing, but it's very interesting to dissect. So if you like thinking about pop culture, I think there's always going to be something for you to appreciate in, in his work. So that's been fun. Um, but no, I, I don't think it's that hard to talk about Midnight Mass without spoiling anything. There's definitely things... Uh, worth spoiling, or are things worth discussing that would qualify as spoilers? But uh, the show uh, takes place on an island. Uh, it's in modern day. There is a. Um, it's a very devout, very small community of of Catholic parishioners, um, mostly Catholic parishioners, I should say. And it, and it circles around the church, the, the the local church, as well as their um, Monsignor who who left on a trip. And um, he's very, very old. And, and uh, uh, instead of him returning, there's a new priest who arrives at the island and um, kind of guides things in a new direction. Um, and it's a little spooky. There's definitely some animal issues for anybody who doesn't like seeing uh, uh-huh. animal problems. Uh, I would prepare yourself for the end of the first episode, as well as I think it's the like, second episode like when a Fargo dog.
2: Or...
1: So there, yeah, there's 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 some cat stuff early, and it's it's the end of the first episode, beginning of the second, and then there's a dog thing, end of the second, which was very rough for me, no pun intended.
0: <laughs> wow, too late. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I honestly, I mean, like with most of the stuff, some of the best parts are the the kind of themat- the way he applies the thematic elements of of the story this is a very deep not necessarily meticulous but very deep and passionate dissection of the catholic faith and kind of the the contradictions there within how as well as as a as a look at how you know faith can be interpreted and then Used at for benevolent or malevolent purposes, and the way in which he goes about this within an isolated community are are very very effective. The performances are are largely very good. Uh, I for one am always happy to see Zach Gelford back on our screens. Uh, QB one should be in more things. We love agreed, QB1. agreed, uh, absolutely best Delvin show of all time, uh, and then best pilot uh, of all time. That's right, I said I, it. I actually can't agree with that. I.
2: Love everything about
0: that pilot, but it's uh, it's just a little. It's not one I look forward to seeing a few times. You know, it sets
1: it sets the table so perfectly for the rest of the season or season.
0: I would say I do think that the best argument you can make on its behalf is that it very quickly subverts expectations almost immediately. Right. It's not, this is not going to be like, Hey, football is excellent. We all love football. Let's talk about how great football is for six seasons. So yeah, this is not going to be varsity blues, a television show. Correct. Correct. (laughs) Correct. Thank God. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Hamish Hamish, how do you say it? Linklater. Uh, I think it's Hamish, but I might be Hamish, wrong about
1: that. Hamish yeah. sounds
0: right. That does sound correct. I just always seem to forget every time it comes time to to say his name, even though, honestly, like since the new adventures of old Christine uh, all the way through Legion, like this guy's got extreme range and to be able to see him kind of put it to good work as this uh, this this new priest in, in the local church was very exciting. Like, it, like he gets kind of every beat just right. He guides you through scenes that, you know, maybe could go on a little bit too long and can maybe become a little bit like burned by the sheer uh, volume of, of what's happening within them. He can he can kind of get you through those understanding what you need to understand, even if it can be a little bit much. And yeah, that's, that's really my only critique of the show. My only critique of the show is that I uh, grew up Catholic. I went to mass twice a week. So, I have developed a very quick trigger for bullshit when it comes to either sermons or homilies uh, however you you know are familiar with them and there is a little bit of that here there is just a little bit of a we well, you could have taken some some editing tools to that speech on a number of occasions but I, he also just loves his characters so much that letting them have their moment is almost undeniable and i can see why he'd, he'd want to let it happen so but yeah that, that was pretty be- good that was one thing I was going to bring up from your review. I didn't read everything because I
1: am not finished the series, so I didn't want to spoil the end for myself. But I did agree with your point about all the characters kind of at various moments having these sort of like expositional monologues that don't feel quite natural the way the rest of the show kind of feels natural. Like the, the show has a very easygoing drama feel to it. But then like everyone will occasionally have like, now I'm going to talk for two and a half minutes straight and I'm just not going to keep talking. So I get two so and a half minutes
0: you... is on the shorter end.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and yes, the the point about the homilies and the sermons is also well taken, though I will admit that at both Abby and I, every time he gets into the the regular religious, like the chants and the things you repeat, we are saying it along with them, even though I haven't been to oh, sure. the church in.
0: Several decades. They even used the Our Father that I was familiar with, whereas I've been to different parishes that kind of alter the, the yeah there uh, traditional some... prayer. There was
1: something where they changed it, like the blood of the the new and everlasting Church. Drink this in memory of me, and I think drink this in memory of is changed to something else. It's like drink this in re- in my remembrance or something. I don't know what the ending yeah. is, but like I was just like I said I said it and I said it wrong, and Abby's like oh they changed that. You didn't know that? Wow. Oh, I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> and, and to be clear, the the actual parts where like a homily is taking place where he's in the church and kind of getting into the full swing of things, those aren't the most egregious part of it. It's just like you mentioned, Leo, it seems like he's giving those speeches to each character. He's giving, he's letting them have their own homily and their own interpretation of something. And that's when it can kind of really get away. There's there's a scene, I believe it's somewhere midway through where Zach Guilford and Kate Siegel have this back and forth conversation, which is right in my wheelhouse. It's about death and what happens when you die. And it's just like, oh yeah, this is my bread <laughs> and butter. Let's get into it. You guys are going to disagree. This is going to be awesome. And I mean, oh boy, it it feels like it's a good 15 minute scene, like just two speeches back and forth. And it they are presented in this way where there's almost an ethereal element to it where if it would have kind of enveloped more aspects of the show, you could have almost treated the entire series this way where it's like, oh, this is just kind of a dream. This is kind of like a purgatory kind of thing where like, these are just the people who, you know, exist on this island and they're waiting for something to happen and they're trying to figure out things for themselves. And this is just where they discuss it and come to terms with who they really are and and what they really believe. And then they move on. Um, And if that would have, you know that would have been the case for the whole thing. It would have been a little bit more acceptable to listen to these two kind of put together a very poetic, lengthy monologue about death. That even I, the one who is always here for that sort of thing, was like, okay, let's take some trimmers. Let's let's cut yeah. this down here. So,
1: I don't. I don't disagree. But like, there's also a moment when uh, Riley, who is Matt Saracen's yeah, character, yeah. yep. I call him Matt Saracen. Uh, his character, Harrison his QB one. Yeah, his his mom comes into the room and like gives him the lowdown on the entire island. It's like episode one. And she just goes like 10 minutes. I'm going to tell you everything about everyone on the island. It's like So
2: Mike Flanagan has called my mom after a long period of time. Can
1: we talk spoilers briefly? And not super spoilers.
2: (laughs) Can I, before we do that, as the person who hasn't watched this yet, uh, point out how do they make a uh, fifteen-minute conversation between two people about what happens after you die? How did one person not just say, "Boom, it's over," and then like snap their fingers? (laughs) Yeah, and destroy the soul of their uh, significant other.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know how they did that. But literally, as that conversation, as the conversation was happy happening, I looked over at Abby and went.
0: Uh Basically, just, one of them does make I mean, one an of those Does
1: kind of say that what they
0: believe. He just but makes that argument
1: <laughs> in a very long-winded way of saying it. Spoilers. Okay, really brief spoilers. There is a supernatural thing obviously happening on this island. I don't want to call it by name, but what I love about this story yeah, is so that it, it I've always wanted to make a movie where it's like this movie is X, and then the third act it becomes Y. And this show kind of does that. I've always wanted to make a movie where, like, this is a movie about a Cuban, like, a Cuban-American baseball team, like, and they're, they're traveling somewhere, and then somewhere in the middle, it becomes a zombie movie. And it, it's not like you're not teasing the zombie movie through the first and second act. It's just like, oh, they, they, they're, they're down, and it's the, it's the state championship, and then all of a sudden, on the field, a zombie attack. And, like, nothing has clued you into this. The movie has changed, and it's like, this is a thing that is now happening And this show kind of does that it definitely slow plays its supernatural elements in in a way that like i like really speaks to me i i haven't finished it so i don't know if i'd have a grade whether i'd be higher or lower than ben but like i have enjoyed how it isn't like hill house or bly manor like it is a little different in the way it's going about it leo how far in are you again how many have you seen i think five or six the last thing i saw the last thing i saw is the boat at sunrise.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So, my favorite. Speaking of spoilers, my favorite, I think, part of this entire series is the moment where we discover that the the new priest in town is actually the old priest in town, and the the Monsignor who who left on a trip to the Holy Land with money given to him by the parishioners before his you know his time came, you know, found something in the Holy Land that was able to give him youth again and revive him in a, in a very interesting way. And he brought that thing back to the island. But before he did that, when he looked at this thing, when this man of God, this, this, this priest who's in the Holy Land for the first time, staring into a, a cave, bewildered and lost, and he sees what is very clearly a demon, very, very clearly a demon, he goes, oh, it's an angel. And then that demon kills him. He still thinks it's an angel and he does come back to life. So his faith is proven true. And that just convinces him that no, this is definitely an angel. And this is definitely a good thing. Whereas is, every single person watching it is like, that is a fucking demon. Yes. You're mental. You've lost one your thing, mind.
2: One thing I have. Well, I mean, been, he's religious. So right, exactly. Now, no, that was
0: the best part of it. That was the, now great, we're going to, like,
1: yeah, sorry. I don't want to go into big spoiler, but it is, it reminds me very much of, how in movies, say for like the Shaw of the Deads, they, they most movies don't call the thing by its name or or call the thing, at least they haven't yet in the show. And so there's this thing happening that they we all not, know, yeah. we all know what it is, and they never say the word. You know, they're they're not saying, and not, it's not zombies. So it's not, they're not saying in, in Shaw of the Dead, they go the Z word, you know, let's not say that. They understand there are zombie movies in the Shaw of the Dead universe, but in most other zombie movies, for whatever reason they don't call them zombies they don't mm-hmm. think of like oh this is a zombie outbreak happening right now because in that universe zombie movies don't exist for whatever reason and it yeah, feels like at least yeah. at least through this through the five episodes i've seen they have not referenced the thing being the thing that it is despite the fact that it lives by all the rules that we know
0: those things live by right and that's that's kind of a, a separate kind of like it's also fun to talk about this without spoiling discussion. it. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I, and I, I agree that I very much like that they don't do that. But I think that plays into that same idea of like, if any heathen, any anybody walking the earth, just looked at this thing, they'd be like, "It's bad news. Get the that's fuck ba- away." That's, that's bad. That's bad. Not good. But then this they rationalize person, it. So then,
1: then yeah, they rationalize yeah. it. They rationalize it, saying that like, in in scriptures. Most of the time, when an angel would appear oh, they, to a person, the person would be saying that they the person the person would be scared of the thing. Right. But normally, but it's, it's not, because uh, the thing is other otherworldly, not because it's terrifying. No,
0: no, exactly. But that's and again, this speaks to kind of again the 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 beauty of the way that Flanagan treats this discussion is that you know he's not he's not using he's not setting that scene up as a way to be like if you believe too strongly in God, then you're fucked. Like your mind is fucked, and you're gonna see things that you don't want to see. He speaks very specifically to each character and and the situation that they're in, in that it's a matter of interpretation. Like the the Bible verses that are constantly quoted throughout the show as evidence for why they need to do this next crazy thing, or this next, probably a bad idea, or just go along with a bad idea. You know, that, that can be interpreted any way you want to interpret it. Just like this guy seeing what is very clearly a demon could be interpreted as he does as like, this is an angel. And when you, when they keep citing that passage of the Bible of like, every time they see an angel, they're scared. I just wanted to be like, yeah, yeah. But that's not really how they talk about it. Like when they talk about it in church, they talk about how they're kind of in awe of, of this, of this beautiful creature. Like, it's, it's not like, oh man, this thing looks like this, but really it's good. It's like, no, no, they're just like, holy shit. Something just appeared in the room. This is a big deal. This doesn't normally happen. What a Tuesday um so yeah and then they normally calm down of, they normally right. calm down when things
1: like hey, hey hey i'm just an angel relax relax
0: just an angel <laughs> normally there's white light and there's glowing positive energy and there's things being handed down to them that are like a, a very clear gift uh and this is not what happens to our our dear friend the priest but um or the monsignor i should say but yeah. Uh, but yeah that's again like i'll be very curious what you think when you finish the series uh, leonardo um but yeah, I, I was impressed at how kind of even-handed they kept it throughout the, the seven episodes, uh, which should yeah. have been six.
1: Yeah, I, I am excited to finish, uh, if not tonight, tomorrow night. I will say I did love the end of episode five. Oh, yeah. It was good. I mm-hmm. thought that was a, 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 a well-handled. And like I knew, like I told Abby, like they're going like, to hard cut back in a second here and it's going to be terrible. Like just, just know that's gonna happen. Well, and Abby was still, I, and Abby was still like, "Oh sure, fuck." Yeah yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, the other thing that I liked about it was uh, they kept using that formal camera technique. Let's call it. Where when he would fall asleep, you know he laid lay down. They would they would Dutch angle camera, to a vertical. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they kept doing that, and then every time, even though like even the fifth time or whatever, when you're like, I know what he's looking at. Like they showed the the reflection, like the sirens reflecting on his face, and you're like, I know what he's looking at. They still did that jump cut to show her. And yeah. I was just like, this feels unnecessary. Like, you're just spelling it out for us. You already did spell it out for us. You don't need to do that. I guess that was my other problem with the series. He does, like... Oh, he
1: he definitely uh, five shadows a lot. There's a lot of five yeah. shadowing happening.
0: He just... It's like he doesn't really want to make a horror show. He just knows that certain elements of it speak to horror genres and he wants to deconstruct that, but he puts in a lot of jump scares where it's just like, this feels like somebody made you do this. This feels like somebody was like, you're not scary enough. You better put in something that gives you the, (gasps) so do it. And it's like, it doesn't fit. So I just, I get frustrated with those. I don't disagree. I think there, I think I
1: wish he'd almost leaned a little harder into this is just a small town drama that happens to have this thing happening in it. But, uh, and yeah, I think if you, if like, I think the show, And granted, I haven't finished it, don't know how uh, satisfying its ending will be, but I love the idea. Like, I I just love the idea so much. And I wish if he had like, if someone took some editing shears to a lot of the monologues, and if you got rid of a couple of those jump scares that look like they're, you know, Netflix notes, to be like, hey, there was no jump scare in episode two. Could we get one or two in there? If you got rid of some of those and just made it so that, you know, those, those felt more earned or of a piece, I think it'd be a really, it'd probably be his best limited series of the three
0: thus far. Yeah. And it is again, like it is good. It's just to me, and maybe this segues into our next discussion, but to me, it's like he does need either the permission, to, to not make it a horror show, to not be like, this is the thing that's coming out right before Halloween, or he he needs, you know like you said, the kind of good version of not even network notes, but just collaborative notes where it's like, we don't need this part, we don't need this part, we can hone this, we can make this more powerful, like put in the work rather than being like, no, 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 I did that one last year, I'm doing this one this year, I did it in you know, 74 days or whatever it is, like knocked it right out and here you go, Done. It's like no, no, no. Take the time. Like you, you can take the time. It'll be, it'll yeah. be real good. Yeah. And in a weird
1: way, I'm asking for more notes on some stuff and less notes on other <laughs> things. Someone just, someone just to be at the dials a little better. Well, getting to the meat of the episode, there was some debate on Twitter last week after we, uh, after we recorded last week's podcast from some very dumb people online saying that since the end of the Sopranos and the Wire, there have been uh, no good television shows, essentially. Like that, th- that was the pinnacle. We have we have reached the top of the mountain, uh, and and on the other side are just uh, pale imitations. And that it, there there are there's no innovation in that arena. And Libby was very quick uh, to astutely point out. She like rattled off 20 shows instantly, and like all these shows are great for different reasons, if not better than the things you're you're comparing them to. <laughs> Uh, and television as an art form has never been better. I guess, should I throw the floor to you, Libby? Do you want to sort of uh, start on this topic?
2: Probably not because of my own personal interest in uh, how much I dislike the person in question and the fact that I am a little concerned with uh, how rampantly we all took to de- defend TV against this person who, you know, it's entirely possible that The Wire and uh, The Sopranos at the last two TV shows that he watched. Although maybe he watched uh, Aquarius that David Duchovny series because his father wrote on it.
0: Hey, that show wasn't bad.
2: Shut up, Ben. That was awful. I will say that
1: after you, after you rattled off all those shows, Libby, uh, I was given yet another opportunity to espouse my ongoing theory that new things on the whole, most other things being equal, are usually going to be better because of three very simple things, a more inclusive casting crew and writer's room, better technology. We are only getting better cameras, better sound, better visual effects, better everything. And everything stands on the shoulders of what came before it. Like the idea that you have The Wire and The Sopranos to look at and be like, I really love what that thing did. And if you're someone who looks at that and goes like, I think The Wire is an A show. How do I make an A plus version of the wire? Everything builds on what came before it. It's impossible to think like, that's it, we perfected it. Then why do we keep making more more stuff if if we've perfected the form?
2: Well, I think that's, I, I mean, I think your arguments as to why new things are always, new things are generally better than old things is actually the reason you're wrong. Uh, well, no, I don't. I don't mean it like that. I just couldn't find another West. way to say that you're wrong. I was, I was t- discussing a, a very similar topic with my friend Mike, who is a listener um, of of this uh, show, not related to any of us. Uh, one of four listeners, um, and he was talking about uh, the fact that uh, these things are affected by the fact that we are building on the backs of things that came before but the things that came before aren't necessarily worse because they were the best that we could do for the time it, it doesn't really make sense to be comparing those things humans aren't necessarily better now than they than they used to be it's not like athletes <laughs> like there aren't there aren't like significant tv isn't getting faster Every year, because of of things like that, we are able to make better television because great TV came before. But the fact that we're making better overall television now couldn't have happened if that other if that other stuff didn't. Like, we are growing more sophisticated at our storytelling, at our technology, at our uh, uh, at at our inclusion and, and diversity but there are cases where it, that, that isn't necessarily better. It's just different. I think my main problem with, with this argument is, is that it, I don't fundamentally believe it's a qualitative argument. And that's what makes it hard to argue because <laughs> I feel like we're talking about the same things in two completely different ways. Uh, ben, tiebreaker, go.
1: Wait, wait, can I just to extend your, your metaphor? What if the Sopranos and the Wire and maybe even like Mad Men and Breaking Bad, uh, that was the steroid era of television. That's and the true. idea that, and they did, those things were like, for whatever reason, because like, it's very early in the AMC game. And it's like, we're going to give you all the opportunities to fail that you can. And it's like, maybe that doesn't happen as much now. I'm just, I'm for, this, for the sake of extending uh, a metaphor.
2: What I look at it as, it was the last gasp of white male anti-heroes. So we had reached the pinnacle of that. Someone's uh, not
0: watching Bosch. <laughs> Somebody is not, not ready for the final gosh. season of Ozark. What are we it's talking not, about? No, <laughs> we, we
2: reached that pinnacle. And so then we had to diversify and find different stories. We were all going to start telling. We got more sophisticated and we're like, okay, well, we know how to tell stories about shitty white men. Who else? Can we tell stories about shitty white women? Perfect. Go. Y- well, <laughs> you know, it's it's it, you know what I mean. Honestly
0: though, there is a very cynical interpretation of this where they um we we had that thought, but our answer wasn't even wasn't to look outside of men or outside of the patriarchy. It was simply to be like, I don't know, what if they were just nice now? Like we spent time with them being shitty for a long time. Here we go, Ted Lasso, bring it on. And oh, yeah. that is the entire evolution of TV. We tried to break out of it. Like people tried other things, but really, you know, the, the way the system is set up, just not, they, to, they not got money to for point that.
2: And they were like, I don't know, maybe, maybe Dexter stopped being a lumberjack. <laughs> I can't, I, who can say, um, <laughs> oh, I can't wait to revisit that. can't wait Dexter's for Dexter, Dexter is
0: good now. Yeah. I can't wait for the Dexter is good now. Hot takes. It's like <laughs> yeah. the show was always good and now he's a good person. So it's even better
2: oh, ringer boy. Ringer boys, New Dexter take. is good now.
0: The show was always bad. That's what we didn't tell you. That's the no. secret no one ever told you. Uh, what but if no, this I, was
2: I, always bad is like my go-to for a hot take. Like, if you know, life has always been bad.
0: The new column is just is just whenever a new season premieres of a show, you're just like, this was actually always bad. Or there's a reboot or there's a revival and you're like, you know what, the original also bad. Still um, bad. Still, still bad, was bad is bad, will be bad. I can't fucking um, can sell is, that
2: book like tomorrow. I think.
0: Yeah, that's somewhere. That's somewhere within Leo's argument, at least. Like, rather than argue that things are getting better, it's just like, no, 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 it's always been trash, and there's always going to be more trash coming.
2: Um, <laughs> just different trash.
0: Right. It's I mean, it's. Oof, God.
1: I will say re- re- reboots and remakes are a very tricky part of my theory because there is <laughs> there is there is a nostalgia. There is typically nostalgia with the original thing that almost cannot be overcome buy a new thing i am excited to watch the new version of the One New years but like it's just things that hew too closely to so the thing that came before it are always going to struggle to out uh outperform them in some way and yeah the qualitative thing is totally true libby but I, th- I think it's like things that are adjacent that most of the things are similar hopefully they've improved upon the thing that came before it otherwise what are we even doing what are but we even
2: it's, doing? It's like I watched a bunch of Deep Space Nine during the pandemic because my wife makes choices and I also live here. I'm not a Star Trek person, but I have to imagine that in many ways, Star Trek Discovery just as a baseline is better than Deep Space Nine, despite Deep Space Nine being uh, heavily lauded for, for what it was. and And I was generally entertained, but you know, makeup has gotten better effects have gotten better i totally editing
0: cinematography like all these things get better Uh, well hold on again not to disrupt the momentum of the argument but to bring it back to midnight mass for a second makeup has not necessarily
2: (laughs) it
1: depends it depends on how much it depends on how much money you're putting into things you know what i mean Uh, yeah things cost things cost money that joke is
0: you. a little too easy because honestly, I think that the way that they use makeup and especially the way that Mike Flanagan shoots the people in makeup in this show is actually very specifically calculated. I think it's almost like, it's almost too lazy to say it's bad and it's much more interesting to talk about why it may not be perfect. So yeah. anyway, continue, Libby. I'm sorry. I think, I think he wants you, I don't know if he wants you to know, but like from the jump, he wants you to know. I think he wants you to suspect as well as appreciate uh yeah. The people, like the characters as well as the performers. Okay, I'm sorry.
2: I don't remember. uh But no, I, I just like. <laughs> but that, that's no. That's the thing that I think always trips me up when we talk about this, is that storytelling has gotten more sophisticated. Definitely, I don't know that it's across the board gotten better. Yeah, we're also and, and producing way, way more. Trips me up.
1: We're producing way more stuff. There, there is like I mentioned earlier about the the Ayatsi stuff, like there is this insatiable appetite for content that like, there's just so much stuff being produced. Of course, there's gonna be some stuff that's bad. A lot of it's probably right. gonna be bad. But the idea being that like, we sh- if we're not improving on the art form, then what is the point? Yeah, just think- to serve shit up to people sitting on a couch? I don't understand. That seems super cynical and, and bad. But like, if that is, then yeah, then let's stick a fork in uh, culture, uh, call it a day. Uh, and we'll retire television and film and we'll uh, we'll start doing something else.
2: Well, that's, and I'm gonna, Ben, I'm gonna let you talk in just a second, but yeah, and, and that's the problem with this entire uh, conversation that we're having is because it was sparked by someone who is not plugged in to culture. And um, in, in this conversation was started on a fundamental misunderstanding of, of television as a medium and what good storytelling can be. It had a very, very close-minded idea of like what quality is that was so openly offensive that it had just TV people losing their minds. Um, ben, you have had a lot to say that, I have cut you off.
0: One of the ways that I try to think about this argument that that Leo, um, he presents from time to time, uh, (laughs) isn't so much that like everything, everything new is better than everything old. I try to think of it more as like the best of what's new is better than the best of what's old because that incorporates the idea that, people who really invest in the art form of this, like who invest in the idea of continuing a conversation that started by our ancestors and started by the creators who came before them, You know, you can see how Succession has become what it is based on The Sopranos and based on what came before it and based on the age of the antihero, as well as just paying attention to where the cultural shifts are going. Um, And obviously, aesthetically, you can see how it's built off of different things and become, you know, what it is today. I think that's the most important part of the discussion, because to me, you know, even if it's not as purely, let's say, good in air quotes, good uh, as, as the stuff that's coming out now, or the stuff that I'm really invested in now, I think it's important to note where it came from. Because again, when, when, whenever I think about this too long, and I've had this part of the conversation with Leo already, it's, it's that I think about people's viewing habits. I think about how back in the day when, you know, when film was first starting out and when TV was kind of, you know, in its first, first golden age, um, you know, they weren't ready for what we're watching today. Like that audience was not prepared to handle the pace, uh, the the onslaught. Like the, the not not just the amount of content, but like the um, the streamlining of information that kind of comes through in storytelling. Uh, it's that you know it had to be built out in a specific way for them to appreciate the beats. Now it's like we all understand the beats. We all understand the structure. We've all consumed it for so long that you can put it on. Uh, a bit of a warp speed and we can appreciate more of it in the same amount of time. Um, But without, you know, the stuff that came before, then we wouldn't have been able to do that. And that's why it's interesting to me whenever somebody tries to slow it back down, whenever somebody's like, you know what, I'm going to take my time with this thing. I'm going to just let you sit in it for a while. And everybody gets a little confused. They don't know what to do. Like Rectify to me was such a beautiful show because it really made you just stop for a while and kind of appreciate different parts of what it was trying to say instead of like overwhelming you with plot or overwhelming you with information or even overwhelming you with like a, like a visual style. Sometimes it was just It just wanted you to kind of really truly take a minute to think about it and even that is a reaction to me like even that is like a reaction to what everything else is doing where like so much of how we treat television these days is just have you seen it have you seen it have you seen it i got through that i got through that i got through that yeah i understand it i saw it i can talk about it i can talk about the spoilers and what happens this year and what might happen next year and what the theories are and like all of that and instead it's like no, no, no 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 why don't we think about what they're trying to say and see what that argument means to us as a human being and the different ways that people come up with for us to try to realize those things, for that message to reach us if they have a message in the first place. That's what's really interesting to me. And and again, so much of it is built on other things, um, but it's also why, you know, <laughs> everything part of the, the argument, the everything good new is better than everything old doesn't work because so many people aren't trying. They're not trying. They they aren't trying. Like when you say, What are we even doing? It's like they're not trying to do shit. They're not trying to make anything better. They're hey, just trying to churn out content. That's part of my
1: all other things being equal and the trying has to be part of it. Yeah. I like think, I also um... I also think the benefit of time, like it's hard. I mean, maybe there there were probably people in the in the early aughts going the Sopranos is the best show of all time. Like that probably was some I and, and there were some pockets of critics, the very underwatched the wire saying the wire is the greatest show of all time. And I still think the wire is the greatest show of all time, but I wouldn't be so dumb to say like that was the pinnacle, we've reached it, that's done. But but the the idea being that with the the benefit of having time since a thing is aired allows you to say things like this that you can't really say about things that might be currently airing. Who's to say that after Atlanta gets two more seasons? We don't think of Atlanta in the in the same yeah however many seasons that we don't think of Atlanta in the same breath as some of these other shows. I think it's hard to say in the moment when a thing isn't even complete to say like oh this this thing uh, is lesser than for whatever reason right
2: right which I mean and don't get me started on comedy because we've we've spent many hours on this podcast discussing comedy's place in in sort of the the conversations around. what is worthwhile television. Uh, I will say with Ben's thing, like I, I think that, I think you're getting at something there that I think is very smart, which is so much TV that is being created now is trying to create conversation for people to have amongst each other. But my favorite TV is in conversation with other TV. It reminds me of that old story about the Beach Boys and the Beatles. Y- you know, f- drawing inspiration from each other, like oh, uh, Pat Sounds was so moving to us. We made, you know, I don't remember the White Album, or y- you know, it, it was this. Um, it was this mutual respect and and learning and appreciating what other people were doing to help grow your own creativity. That's a different. That's not what everyone's doing. Not everyone's trying. Um, yeah, you're right. So it's very. Uh, I think on this matter, we're all right. Yeah. So that's, those are my favorite arguments. I think it's just a, it's a perspective thing. Yeah. Or at the well, very I, least, if we're not all right, we're all not wrong.
0: Fair. I, I Again, it's worth saying that the best, television show is friday night lights so i, <laughs> I, I mean I, i'm
2: gonna tell the leftovers you said that you i can,
0: know you can you can on, the they, have, they have a nice tie-in with peter berg so really well, yeah, just, i just uh, think every
1: everything everything nice. uh nice. yeah to get to the comedy thing libby like just very briefly having just watched the other two in the complete wrong fashion where i inhaled <laughs> Inhaled two seasons over the course of four days. That's in, in, what we all
2: did. We just yeah. didn't have the second season yet. It's... Yeah.
1: In, in the words, in the words of Ben, I couldn't, I couldn't help not think of like Thirty Rock and think the jokes because these are two shows where the jokes per minute are high. It is, it is moving at a pretty fast clip. But even like going back and watching Thirty Rock, Thirty Rock was still a holdover of some of the earlier like comedies, and it, that's sort of what's trying to do. Jeff Richmond's score and establishing shots. That stuff doesn't even happen in the other two. The other two is hard cut to new scene, new joke. We're not even showing you an exterior of 30 Rock with the, oh, no, 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 no. Like, we're not doing that. We're like, we're talking about chase at this place. Here's chase at this place right now doing the stupid thing. And it's just, we are going to cut from one thing to the other. And it, that is definitely a stylistic choice. And it's something that maybe some shows comedies now would still do the more uh, establishing shot with a, a slight score, but it's just like things are moving in a direction, uh, and it doesn't mean that Thirty Rock is bad. It just means that the other two is taking what Thirty Rock started and sort of elevating it and building on it in a certain in a certain way. Both can be good and different, and I can Me just either. say that I like the other two better. <laughs>
2: I feel like the only person I, that didn't really love the other two season two, uh, the other two season 2 it just didn't work. Uh, I think it's
0: very good. I don't know if I'd say it's one of the best of the year. Uh, it's definitely not better than Thirty Rock. That's a crazy thing to say, but <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> I I love this part of I the am conversation a crazy too. Again, going back, like, and kind of looking at how things have changed from a formal standpoint. Um, just because you know, you also have to think about not not when you're talking strictly about comedy necessarily. But when people are talking about what they remember, when they're talking about the shows being the best shows, The Sopranos is such a quick answer for like the best TV show of all time, or even even The Wire really, it came a little bit later, but usually The Sopranos, because it was extremely popular. And it was one of those first kind of shows that was making the transition away from procedural TV from the stuff that you that we'd kind of gotten used to. And it was doing so with a big platform push on this new thing that everybody you know could widely respect and, and get behind. And it just had an imprint on our culture that makes it that thing almost before you even see it, like even before you're aware, like even before you catch up with it. If you're younger, if you weren't around at the time, that kind of footprint really helps kind of establish it as one of the best things. And I think you could argue that there's there's obviously that we just did. You said The Wire. I said Friday Night Lights. Um, you know, Libby says Succession because it's the only good show on TV. Um, you could argue that there's there's better things that came after it. Um, like
2: better things.
0: But one of the things that I'm curious about as we move forward in in our culture is just I don't know if we'll ever reach a consensus again. <laughs> like I don't know if we're ever going to be able to to say something like that. Because for a while, it, it seemed like that was just kind of an accepted thing. It was just like, hey, everybody's seen it, so we can all agree on it. And now it's like, no, no, no. I've seen this. You haven't seen that. I've seen this. You haven't seen that. We, we're never going to catch up on everything. There's always going to be stuff that gets by people. And um, that's both a blessing and a curse. And um, I'm obviously very excited that we're living in this this age, but there's good and bad parts of it. I don't know. I just really wish more people had seen the Underground Railroad. It's really, really good. And if it would have come out in 1999 on HBO, people would have.
1: Yeah. I think, is that not the, you're saying the benefit of both when it was released and
0: the time since it was released? A combination? I, I think both. Yeah. I think, you know, in, I think time is only helping the Sopranos. I don't know if time will help the Underground Railroad. I know it'll be available because I can't imagine Amazon going anywhere. But um, because we're just going to keep adding to the content pile and that will keep becoming the thing that, well, I didn't see it when I should have seen it. I guess I'll catch up on it sometime, but maybe never, which is what seems to be inevitably happening with so many TV shows, uh, especially, I would say, limited series, then, you know, it's just hard. It's going to be hard in 10 years. It's much easier, I think, now to make the argument for the Underground Railroad than it will be in 10 years, uh, even if you try to strip cultural relevancy and, and ubiquity out of it. So, um well, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting time.
2: I was going to say something, but stuff. it was only going to extend this conversation. And I think this conversation has run its course. So. But I do think It'll limited series have a are at a disadvantage because generally when people start things, they're like, yeah, I want to commit. I want to have several seasons. I want to get into this. Or they want to watch a movie. But it doesn't feel like there are very, very many people who are like, yeah, let's watch seven hours of something. But maybe that's. Not true. Maybe I'm making assumptions. Who can say? I guess we'll find out.
0: Netflix will try to tell us at some point, but we will never be able to trust it. So I think we settled it in that none of us is right, but also none
1: of us is wrong. The only person who's wrong is someone who would, without knowing the television landscape, stating blankly, these were the best shows of all time and we're done. Pack it up.
2: I mean, basically, I mean, I think the heart of what that person is saying is these are the only two good TV shows, which is just a ridiculous statement. Like, how could you come out and like, and make such a, a sweeping, a sweeping proclamation? It it really is showing your ass. And I'm glad I'm not yeah. like that. If
0: you're going to do it, you have to say one, you can't say two. You have well, to I say mean, there's only one up. good show on TV. That's so. also a cop.
2: Yeah, that's true. Uh, but as long as all of these shows are primarily about white people, that's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then we can tell it's just a ping pong ball of oh they're they're bad white people and then they're good white people and then it's good that they're bad white people and then it's bad that they're good white people and then they'll start over
2: and sometimes a show about black people
1: millions of screens is a production of penske media corporation anywhere our theme music features excerpts of the classic youtube video bjork talking about tv and Willie you to the chocolate factory this is my last podcast with you guys so, I figured I would take over for the, the three things and I would say, my three favorite podcasts are our interview podcast with Damon Lindelof, which was a blast for several reasons. One, because you two have a relationship with him and know him very well, and I didn't. And I also <laughs> was not, I also had not seen the screeners that are available the time. Oh God, so, I was crazy. a total, I was a total rube in the room going, i think this might happen i think this might happen (laughs) to to damon who has been fantastic has remembered me ever since then my second favorite episode is uh our very first streaming wars pick episode where in defiance (laughs) of apple tv plus and the morning show i stated i would rather have a second Iteration of Shutter.
2: <laughs> Ed Lasso remembers that, by the way. I know, yeah, I know. They were, they were. That was pre Lasso. You, that uh, was pre uh, uh, Lasso.
1: Pre uh, uh, Lasso. If,
2: if your <laughs> Apple TV subscription weirdly keeps getting canceled, you'll know what that's about.
1: And a bit of a cop out, but I would say this podcast, because I think every every time I got a chance to talk to you, it was the highlight uh, of my week. So I could have said last episode, which is our hundredth. But I'll say this episode, which is our 101st episode. And I strongly endorse that all listeners go back and watch the first video I ever made with Libby and Ben, which is titled oh God. five Dark Horse Emmy nominees voters should consider, mostly because, A, it's where Libby uh, starts her. Or would be years long process of calling Succession the best show on television, or the only good show on television, by calling it the best castle drama at HBO in a year when Game of Thrones was still, still in the running.
2: And also and, the fact that castle drama isn't a thing.
1: But you you coined it. You coined it. Yeah, I guess. Additionally, un unbeknownst to all the all the listeners and viewers, it is it has been the place where we birthed the gif of Libby. <laughs> scrolling on her phone while very dismissively telling Ben, no, it it gets, it gets used on our company Slack a lot.
0: Uh, So many versions of that GIF.
1: No, but yeah, it's been a pleasure to host this podcast with you two and I wish you all the success moving forward. I can't wait to uh, listen only to see what ads have been thrown in front uh, of the podcast and then also to vehemently disagree with whatever your takes are on specific shows, mostly Ben.
2: Well, I, we Obviously. hope that you will write in.
1: Yeah, and, I'll write. Uh, I'll write in with my thoughts.
2: I, I do hope that you will leave a review for the show each week. Uh, <laughs> and just to I felt, give us a, I felt a challenge. felt bad about review-
1: Yeah, I felt bad about reviewing like- our own show, but I'll review it now as a listener. And I'm gonna have. There's gonna be some
0: thoughts. I'm gonna have some thoughts. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> and and i i look forward to trying to erase uh, your thoughts from the internet uh, every week
0: yeah Leo, i will just say that i have no idea what this podcast would be had you not been a part of it and i have no idea what it will be without you a part of it i often find myself mentally getting angry every time we use your beloved nickname of rude man because it is just so far from the truth
2: that's ironic
0: I, I I get it, and I still just I still just it just angers me because it's like I don't even want to pretend that this is the case for a second longer. You've added incredible insights and obviously unparalleled skill to to this podcast, and we will miss you greatly.
2: Uh, I would say something here, but I can't, so <laughs> I will just let Ben's words speak for me, and I will spend the rest of the week trying to find something to say.
1: That's totally fine. You can find us on Twitter. For the last time, I'll be saying this. You can find us on Twitter at a million screens, at Midwest Spitfire at Ben T. Travers, and at Leo Adrian Garcia. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. So join me soon (laughs) in leaving a review for the podcast on your thoughts on what could potentially be improved. Now they got rid of that loud, dumb host. And they can just get to the experts talking.
2: I'm so excited to for the wave of one-star reviews uh, we have coming our way after this shakeup. So uh, I'm all genuinely,
0: it. I'm genuinely upset right now that you haven't already left to review. We needed those. We're trying. <laughs> We're an upstart podcast. We need the positive reviews from everybody it, we uh, get right out of the game. It fucked. Feels weird. Now fucked. Feels weird to self-review. <laughs> feels weird to self-review. Nobody knows. Nobody's going to look and be like, oh, I know who left that five-star review. Well, let me just
1: say that for the final time, this has been Libby and Leo reminding you that you shouldn't let poets lie to you.
2: You shouldn't let poets lie to you.
1: you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. (laughs)